blessing, Almighty God, be in your heart and on your lips, you might worthily proclaim the gospel the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Give me a drink. His disciples have gone. 
Thanks be to God. There is a woman in our presence in this church this morning who should not be here. No, I'm not talking about any of you. (laughs) She should not be here because, obviously, she has a very rocky history with men. She's been married, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, not five times, but maybe six or more times. Secondly, she has a very, very bad relationship with everyone else. Basically, she's alienated herself or been alienated by everyone else. The men look at her with lascivious eyes, and the women dislike her because the men are looking at her with lascivious eyes. Maybe most important of all, this is a woman who, when all is said and done, is just bad by everyone's evaluation. So what is she doing in church here this morning? Well, she'd been placed here by the Gospel of John. She's been given to us in this Lenten season, and she's been placed in front of us, as we all know, for a very important reason. In spite of the fact that this woman, or maybe more importantly because of the fact that this woman has a very bad problem with men, and she has very deep problems with everyone else. She deserves her place here really for one reason only, and that is this woman thirsts. And that's why John puts her here in our midst this day. Now, of course, she thirsts. Like everyone, she's living on the edge of a desert, a really bad desert. She has to go and fetch water. We know that she has to do that in the middle of the day because she can't go in the morning or in the evening when it's cool, when the other women would be there because they would make fun of her, they would disrespect her, they they wouldn't talk with her. So there she is getting her water at the well of Jacob in the middle of the day under the hot sun, She obviously has that kind of thirst, the thirst of the throat, the thirst of the body. But that's not the thirst that puts her here in our midst this morning. There is a deeper thirst in this woman that is very, very important for us to pay attention to this morning. As we move through our own Lenten season, our own sort of spiritual desert, the thirst of this woman is really, really important for us. What is her thirst? Well, at first, she doesn't even know it. She doesn't acknowledge she has any thirst more than the parched throat of being someone who lives in the desert in the middle of the hot day. But when she meets Jesus at that well, he begins to slowly, through this beautiful conversation with her, slowly reveal to her the deeper thirsts of her life, the thirsts that are within her spirit, her soul, the thirsts that are really moving her, the longings, the the desires of her heart. That's what Jesus unveils to her as they converse quietly together 
at the well of Jacob. The disciples are gone. They've left the scene. It's just Jesus and the lady. So what does Jesus do for her? Well, first of all, she approaches the scene with uh, surprise because Jesus is a man. He's talking to her, a stranger. Secondly, Jesus is a Jew. She's a Samaritan. That, that's very unusual in itself. And she's, she's prepared for this sort of thing. There's even a little bit of a flash, maybe a flirtishness in there, her opening gambit with Jesus. A little bit of a wink of an eye, like, what are you doing here all alone, young man? <laughs> but there's also kind of a hardness in her. I mean, she's had a rough life. She's made lots of bad decisions that have been compounded by further bad decisions. You know, she doesn't know what respect is. She doesn't know what dignity is. And so she's hardened herself. And, and it's that hardness, that sort of outer shell that Jesus sort of slowly undoes as he looks at her, engages her, speaks to her, listens to her, respects her as they talk together beside that well. What does she discover? She discovers the thirst, the real thirst, the deepest thirsts of her life in that engagement, in that conversation, in that wonderful encounter. She realizes that though she has had many lovers, she really longs and thirsts and desires love in her life. Not love, but love. She really comes to understand that after a lifetime, seemingly a lifetime of being disrespected, disregarded, not looked at or looked at with lustful eyes, disdained, spoken about, ridiculed, she thirsts for dignity, to be seen as a real person again, to be seen as the person she was when she was a little girl before all the trouble started. To be seen as a person with a heart, with a spirit, with a soul. Dignity is what she thirsts for. And maybe most important of all, what she thirsts for is, is, the, is the knowledge of God. She thirsts for something that will kind of break down her coldness, her darkness, her feeling that this life is meaningless, that there's no point to this, that there's something more beyond me, maybe. And she's been raised in a, in a spiritual tradition. She has some sort of vague remembrance, probably from her childhood, that there's a God and that maybe someday a Messiah will come. But it's vague. She hasn't practiced that. She hasn't lived in that kind of spiritual world forever, it seems like. So, so where is this God? What kind of God is he? Why can't I see him? Why can't I feel him? Why can't I be touched by him? And maybe more important still, why doesn't he touch me? Why doesn't he see me? Where is this God? I want to see him. I thirst. I thirst to see the face of God. That's a deep thirst. And it's precisely the thirst that Jesus quenches in his conversation. What does he do for her? 
after she comes to understand the deepest longings of her heart, after she comes to understand the, the desires of her heart, after she comes to understand what she really thirsts for in this life, Jesus offers her living water, springing up water flowing from the heavens, water that will wash her clean, water that will quench her thirst forever, water that will enliven her body and her spirit and her heart, waters that will allow her to know that God is with her. And she says to Jesus, give me this living water so that I don't have to come here anymore so that I don't have to be disdained by the women and the men of this village, so that I don't have to live as a nothing in this town, so that I will know love and not have to seek love in all the wrong places anymore. And, and Jesus doesn't get a big bucket and give it to her filled with swirling, fresh, cool water from some creek somewhere. It's clear that it's the encounter it's the meeting, it's the conversation, and how it unfolds that offers her the living water Jesus is talking about, that truly quenches the deepest thirst of her life. Jesus looks at her. He hears her, he listens to her. He sees her with the respect she's never known before. Jesus loves her, not in the kind of lascivious love of the other men of the village, but a respectful, caring love. You're my sister. You're my mother. You're my, my friend. In a way, you're my creation. And and Jesus slowly reveals to her the face of God. Well, who is this Messiah? Who is this Son of God that's supposed to come? You are talking with him now. This is who God is. This is what God looks like. You are seeing God. And even more important than that, God is seeing you. You're hearing God's voice, and God is hearing your voice. You're touching God, and God is touching you. That's the living water. That's the living water that quenches the deep thirst of this woman's life, who in one hand should not be here in our midst, in the other hand, Wow, she is the great model of discipleship and evangelization because once she realizes what Jesus has done for her, she goes running back to her village and somehow or other she convinces the whole town that she has met the Son of God, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. She has seen God with her own eyes. Come and see for yourselves. That transformation of this sinful, disgraced, nothing woman into the first great evangelist of Jesus 
is a transformation that Jesus has worked because he has shown her God's love and respect and kindness and mercy, God's face, God's touch, God's look towards her. She fits in these Lenten days because, well, just like her, we thirst too. Just like the Israelis in the desert, way back with Moses, we thirst too like they thirst. The thirsts of our life are not just what can be quenched by a cool Coca-Cola. It's, it's these thirsts within us the ones that are in our hearts and in our lives that move us and motivate us, whether we're aware of them or not. And in a way, they're the very same thirst of this woman, the thirst to be loved and to love, the thirst to live with the dignity of being a son and daughter of God, the thirst of being a sister to God, a brother to God, the thirst to see God and to have God see us, to be touched by God and have God touch us, to hear God's voice and have God hear our voices. That's what we too search for in our lives. It's all summed up in her funny little backwards life as it comes back to life in Jesus' gentle hands. These days of Lent, in a sense, are our desert. It's our time of thirst. It's our time to turn back and see who this Jesus really is and have a nice long conversation with him beside whatever well we wish so that those thirsts might also be quenched and satisfied in us so that the living waters that is Jesus himself like they did for her, might pour over us and wash us and quench our thirst and fill us with life and make us people who can go back to whomever and say, I have seen and known and been touched by God. We thirst. Jesus quenches our thirst by letting us know that God is with us, that God loves us, that God touches us, that God sees us, and that we can see him and be touched by him and listen to him and be transformed by the living water he offers us.